everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. Hello. 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 I hope everybody had a fabulous weekend. Emma, how was your weekend? It was really nice, actually. It's first weekend in a while that I actually just like feel like it's been different than the middle of the week. <laughs> Why? What did you do? So I think I took some time off. I was, you know, in my sauna. Um, <laughs> I went for a big walk. I saw my mum and dad. Like, it just felt like it wasn't the same routine as, as like yeah weekday yeah I love that you you just like sat in your little sauna tent in the middle of your room like what do you do when you're in there (laughs) just sweat it's quite dangerous as well I think because well I mean it came with no instructions so I don't know if I'm doing it right but there's this little hose that you stick in but like if you get anywhere near that it just burns you oh yeah I can imagine yeah 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 yeah. so just you just huddled in the corner like this (laughs) yeah Okay. <laughs> sure. Okay. What did you do? Uh, well, I was just telling Emma, everybody, that I like literally like <laughs> our shower is leaking and it's leaked into the electric. So the the hot water is all gone, the electricity is all gone, the house is freezing, and I'm in hell. <laughs> so if I look, but you know what? Up. Great for thermogenesis. Great for great. fat loss great for increasing your brown fat percentage like every cloud babe yeah i'm my own internal sauna right now just just trying to stay warm but the guys came over today they're currently fixing it oh and my best friend asked me to be godmother to her unborn child oh (laughs) yeah that's lovely that made me really happy i was like oh yeah anyway should we get to the questions and how's bertie hmm Bertie's completely fine. Turns out just a few bro meals of chicken and rice and chicken and pasta saw him through. Like his bodybuilding brothers before him. <laughs> okay, right. First question. How do you measure protein if not using MyFitnessPal? What, what would you... Oh, you just look at the nutritional breakdown on the back of the packet. Um, or if you... Or you will have to kind of go on a nutritional database online um, and figure out and weigh out how much you're having, and then however much you're having is however much you're having. <laughs> yeah, but then basically you would just use my fitness pal. I don't know if she's asking like I don't want to track. How would I know? And yeah. I think that kind of comes down to you don't need to track if you like. I mean, if I have a chicken breast, I know that I'm getting in enough protein in that meal because I know roughly what's in it like Chloe's saying you can look at the back of the pack or you can just use the knowledge that you've gained from previously tracking but Uh, I mean this is is the thing like you're not going to know exactly unless you are tracking yeah unless you're like old hat at tracking like Emma or I or many people out there who've been tracking for years who can kind of eyeball and guesstimate you would just have to look at the nutritional breakdowns on packets and labels of things or go online but this is why my fitness pal is so helpful. 
Agreed. And then she says, like, on, on a further note on that, what is considered high protein per 100 grams? High protein per 100 grams. So what, per 100 grams of a sauce? What sauce? Like, the protein sauce. Oh, or, <laughs> all right. I, In my head, I had, like, salt. You know, salty. Um, <laughs> oh, the sauce. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what she means. So, yeah, like, so like, if I had 100 grams of chicken, like, what should I expect? 20 grams of protein, typically around about, maybe just below, maybe just above, but around about 20 grams. Typically, well, um, just under, actually, because a, a typical kind of cooked chicken breast really is anywhere between 125, 150 grams. That'll be about 20-something grams of protein. So, yeah. I think I wouldn't look at it that way. I would probably look, if I was considering anything, it would be protein per calories <clears throat> as opposed to protein per 100 grams because 100 grams doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. But if you're like, cool, I want to get in X amount of protein per calories. And when it comes to that, like, it depends what you're eating, really. Like, any lean source of protein is going to be, you know, for 20 grams of protein, not far off. 100 calories because it's going to be mostly protein and protein is four calories per gram which means that like if it was completely lean protein which you don't really get it would be 80 calories Mm -hmm. but yeah everything comes with trace fats trace carbs like this is why a lot (laughs) when a lot of people first start tracking they're like okay so i need to hit 120 grams of protein a day so they'll have a chicken breast and they're like i'm done yeah or you see someone who's like yeah i've had 400 grams of protein already and i'm like (laughs) have you just been weighing out the food that you think has protein in it and just saying have the protein sauce not sauce sauce and then you have the nutrient protein um yeah and it's like any lean any lean source of proteins that'll be like chicken fish zero percent greek yogurt whey protein powder white egg whites Mm. 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 (laughs) yeah buddy okay um does a home sauna burn calories and if not can i cook veg in it all the kids thanks so um no it's not going to burn calories but there may be some health benefits to saunas especially if you are on the verge of being type 2 diabetic there may be some extra metabolic benefits and i think it really comes back to that anything that takes you out of homeostasis and kind of adds a bit of stress to your environment tends to mean that you need to adapt in some way so the benefit of a sauna in terms of your metabolic health uh, there seems to be a slight increase in insulin sensitivity and also vasodilation vasoconstriction which is actually something I'm quite interested in because I have very poor ability to do that hence why I get Reynolds and like weird circulation problems so that may be of benefit to me. It also might be a benefit to people who struggle with diabetes or like metabolic um, health complications. But when you look at like the effects of the sauna, a lot of these things, and I would say to an extent, the same could be true for like cold water immersion. Again, yeah. you're taking someone out of like what is quite like their normal temperature or their normal environment. And then your body has to adapt to that. 
A lot of mm. them are what's termed exercise mimetic. So they almost mimic the effect of exercise. Yeah. And you'd be much better actually just doing the exercise. <laughs> so it's like going to a huge extent to, I don't know, have a sauna or have an ice bath or something when actually the exercise is going to be far better at that. And even like I I put something up a couple of weeks ago about ice baths and I got so much kickback about it. And one of them was like, yeah, but it flushes out, like it increases blood flow to parts of your body and stuff like when you then warm up again. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure it does. But you know what does that way better? Exercise. Like what gets blood around your working muscles better? Yeah. Actually working those muscles like via exercise as opposed to just making them colder and then heating them up again. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it might add a little bit. And if you enjoy a sauna, then great. But to be honest, I think the benefits of sauna are mostly just the enjoyment factor. And then when it comes to metabolic health, it's usually the fact that, I mean, what's going to be better, doing exercise or going in the sauna? Doing exercise every time, but most people would prefer to go in the sauna. So, yeah. There is some amazing research around like cold shock and heat shock. This is another one where I would just refer everybody to go and watch some uh, Rhonda Patrick. Like she did, her YouTube channel is great, Found My Fitness, and she just talks about she, exactly what Emma said, what it does to your body and the positive effects it can have on your body in terms of your uh, your physical fitness. Um, and basically, yeah, being able to recover from high physical stress situations. Obviously, if you are making, if you're putting your body through the ringer in terms of high stress situations, whether it's through temperature or training, then obviously your body's going to therefore be better uh, suited to adapt to the stresses uh once it's put under them and this the same can be said for ketosis in, in many ways you know especially via fasting it's the same thing it's putting an, an immense amount of stress on your body to basically kick it into into kind of survival mode and taking fucking care of itself but emma's right if we're talking about you want to get the the, the if you want to get the best bang from your buck out of training you're better off training than going and doing some cryotherapy or sitting in a sauna for 15 minutes but yeah. It is interesting, like different stresses on the body. And like, this, you're right, there's so much evidence to, to support like stressing your body in a certain way mm. has huge benefits. But you so quickly become used to that stress. Like, yeah. even when we talk about newbie gains and things, like, it's because the stress is new. Yeah. And when I was working in diabetes, there was the, the group that were like next to us were doing some research on mice and showing that. Uh, type 1 diabetic mice effectively become like really habituated to going hyperglycemic which is quite dangerous yeah whereas one bout of hit training resensitizes themselves to or, like resensitizes to this but then what they never did now was always a bit like yeah but what would happen like because they were like, well they're secure like hit training except that then you get used to hit training and surely that now wouldn't be a new stimulus. And it was the fact that it was a new stimulus that resensitizes yourself to this glucose control measure. So it's quite hard. It's like, do you need to always find different stimuluses? Or does that sensitivity remain? Like it's, yeah, interesting. When you guys are in a fat loss phase as well and you're like, oh my God, I'm so hungry today or this week or whatever actually usually if it's the better part of a week it's probably hormonal but people are like i'm so hungry today it's like you're 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 in fat loss and your body's going to adapt at some point and then you know we're probably gonna have to look at things again um yeah like this is what we're born to do we're born to adapt to our environment that's how we survive 
Exactly. exactly. Gosh, aren't we amazing? Oh my god, we're so smart. <laughs> How do you know if you've built muscle when you can't see any strength gains because no higher weights to lose to use? Sorry. So like basically you're training at home so you can't increase the weight, maybe. How do you know if you're getting stronger? You'll be able to do more volume. You'll be blasting past the eight reps that you once did and hitting fifteen. So that is a, is a sign of strength increase and a sign of hypertrophy occurrence. But yeah, it's hard if you can't. And, you know, this is something I think all coaches everywhere, especially coaches like Emma and I, who are so pro resistance training and weightlifting. It's, it's hard right now to have clients come and be like, hey, what can I do? And it's like, <laughs> I don't know. What can you do? Like, it sucks, Emma. Yeah. And as much as I absolutely hate the like trust the process, because sometimes I think coaches use it as, as like a total cop out. Like, yeah, yeah. just trust the process. I can't be bothered to explain it. That isn't what I'm doing here, but like we know that you're doing everything right to build muscle. We also know that it's extremely hard to measure increased muscle mass. Yeah. Because it's such a slow process as well. But given that we know that you're ticking all the boxes to do that, like we kind of just have to assume that, that that is happening and you do have to to some extent. And I think this is more true for building muscle than losing fat. Like trust the damn process that you will be building muscle if you're eating enough protein, if you're resistance training frequently, if you're fueling your body with enough calories, if you're recovering well. Like if you're doing that consistently over time, you will build muscle. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Chloe's right. Like there are things that you can do, but sometimes it quite quickly becomes more like strength endurance. So for yeah. example, you'll all have on the app some of the, I think I called it like test block of home workouts. So there's like yeah. one workout that's like a test. And effectively it's like how many push-ups you can do in X amount of time and blah, blah, blah. And like the whole point is that you do it and then you redo it, say a month later or six weeks later, having trained during that time. And then you can see that your fitness levels have increased. And some of that will be strength levels. But once you start getting to like, I don't know, like being able to do 50 plus push-ups or something, it's kind of becoming more like muscular endurance as opposed to outright strength. So as much and it will like it will certainly show improvement so things like that you can definitely use um and some exercises at home will be easier to do that than with others so for example like pull-ups or something where I doubt anyone's getting 50 pull-ups <laughs> that would be very impressive who's that girl on instagram that i follow really hot blonde muscle chick oh it's right that- yeah it's me it's me it's, it's me, me. <laughs> uh, at esg fitness on instagram yeah yeah she's so fit what's she called claire something i don't know she like lives in a van in the middle of i don't know north america and she she does like a hundred pull-up challenge just her hanging off a bar on the, the edge of her van just just going and i'm like how are you doing this like genetic freak of nature i don't know if she's got any like enhancements but <laughs> she's amazing i have no I'm- idea how people can do more than I'm going to send you the video. Right, okay, we'll see. It's obviously <laughs> on a loop and it's photoshopped. But you will, are you, I mean, I'm in love with her. <laughs> She's badass. Well, then that's, just, that's worrying for me. Um, <laughs> I want to work on my quads, but whenever I do exercises that should work my quads, I tend to feel it in my glutes. And if I get any DOMS, it will be in my glutes. Is oh. there something I can change about my form to target my quads more? 
I should I say, it. yeah, I know, me too. I should say <laughs> Bulgarian split squats. I feel it though. Oh yeah, um, yeah. You need to take the weight off the posterior chain, and you need to make sure that you're putting it. So, for example, instead of doing a back squat, do a front squat. Um, instead of doing yeah, Bulgarian split squats is a really good one. Uh, make sure that you do them maybe holding dumbbells down by your side as opposed to, again, like a, a, a barbell on your back. Um, doing, uh, it's a shame that we don't have a gym because there's some really cool like quad targeted leg press stuff that you could do. But we'll, hey, just well, we can do that when you do get back into a gym. Um, yeah, Emma. <laughs> This is quite rare. Normally, it's the other way around. I'm really jealous. Um, If you want, then just post up some videos of you doing certain things because it might be um, a technique thing. But uh, I I don't think I've got anything to add on what you've said. Like really close stance lunges, I feel really in my quads. Uh, And again, like we talk about this quite a lot, but that mind muscle contraction so you're just really thinking about it's your quads that you want to lose as a you lose use <laughs> as opposed to your glutes and also yeah exactly that like my muscle connection is very real and that applies to every single one of you who's really trying to gain muscle whether you're in hypertrophy or fat loss and you're trying to hold on to it when you are training the muscle think about the muscle that you're training don't just blindly go through the movements like that is a surefire way to not really get anywhere and probably get injured as well um but yeah, sorry, I just thought of a couple things. So one, bring the weight forward um, instead of off your back. Um, oh, second thing, obviously pushing up through the heel is, you know, important when it comes to kind of form, but maybe um, push using the whole flat of your foot as your kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, Emma? Driving through. Yeah, your drive through. Um, less so for me personally, I'm really focusing on that heel to really get that um, push up. Through my through my hamstrings or glute, whatever. Oh, what um, about sissy squats? Yeah, amazing. And I was also going to say, as well as in the gym when it opens, there's some single uh, leg press stuff you can do. Uh, single um, uh, uh, leg extension. extension. Yes, le- leg extension. Single leg extension. <laughs> Great demo there. okay when something unexpected happens for example gastroenteritis which is spreading through our house uh priorities for getting back on track i know i need to listen to my body in terms of bland food little and often but when i feel a bit better and less like i've been hit by a bus any advice for easing back in is that what's gastroenteritis? Is that like the norovirus? Da, 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 da. Um, yeah, I think basically it's just sickness. Oh no! I I always have to go to hospital when I get like viruses like that. I get so sick. It's awful. <laughs> you have to go to anyway, hospital when you get a little bit. If I get a tummy bug, I get so violently, violently, violently ill that I get unbelievably dehydrated in a matter of hours and always have to go to hospital and get uh, anti-sickness jabs and go on a drip. It's like, it's never not happened. So this, like, this happens to me when I get a migraine. I never go into hospital, but one time the, like, the paramedics came and gave me an injection in my ass, like, to stop me being sick. So you're not, you're all, you're typically, you only need one. I always need two. 
because I within 10 minutes of the first one I'm throwing up again like I get so sick when it goes to my stomach it's awful anyway sorry I'm just (laughs) also one time and this was like this was so bad all of the blood vessels up my neck burst (gasps) all of the blood vessels around my eyelids burst because I was sick so much yeah, I've had the eyes, but not the neck. But like, oh not God. not in my eye, like on my eyelids. It was really weird. Oh, Emma, that sounds awful. Don't, because even it's so traumatizing for me. <laughs> so traumatic, right? Okay, moving on, moving on. Moving on. Um, when when look, it's really simple. You eat what you can when you can. If you've been that sick, if you've been that poorly the main priority is to get some energy in you to get some blood sugar calories get just get your body functioning again and hydration obviously is a, is more important than what i've just said so really focus on hydrating give your body a couple of days rest for me like my abs get so sore when i'm that sick and it's like i can't do i can't really do any training for a couple of days anyway because i'm in so much pain when you feel like you're back at it uh, just go maybe start by doing like a nice long walk and see how you feel with that physical kind of exertion and where are you at with your fitness because you it will take a bit of a hit if you've been really poorly for a few days um, and then when you feel ready go in go into a workout and maybe do one set or one circuit and see how you feel and if you can carry on carry on and if you can't you did one good for you try two tomorrow agreed agreed I think just, yeah, I think get yeah. yourself better first and then ease yourself back in. Yeah. And there's no rush to getting back in. Okay. Hi, gorgeous ladies. Oh, thanks, Tracy. When on hypertrophy from starting, how much weight increase should we allow? I'm noticing at first it was moving up slowly. It now seems to be going on faster. Is that a good sign? I was 57.1 when I started the EC method in August and 58 when I started hypertrophy in October. Now I'm 60.5, 5'5", 1950 calories, steps and protein always completed, but workouts have been, have not been possible due to my back injury. I have managed to do two workouts in the last five days, but have had to drop down in weight to where to see how my back feels. Um, just would like to know if I, if what I am doing is okay or if weight gain is too fast. Yeah, it's really hard to say, first of all, this isn't the kind of goal where we can, I mean, we can't predict any kind of which way weight anyway, but hypertrophy especially is like, it's really, it's really difficult to give you any kind of predictions on what it should look like. But I will say that typically it should do the opposite of what it did for you, mm. which is spike up a bit higher in the beginning because of the added food volume, glycogen, water, and then peter off. So the fact that for you it went the other way makes me think that maybe we need to pull your calories back a bit, um, just a little bit and just see uh, if we can stabilize your weight because we don't want you gaining more body fat than you need to gain, especially now if you're injured and you can't really do the hypertrophy thing properly until your back's right, then then I would say we should maybe pull back a little bit on calories. Nothing drastic because we don't want to fuck up any muscle mass that you have built. Um, but yeah, pull back a bit. Emma, what do you think? Yeah, I would say exactly the same. I'd say drop back down to 1800-1850 and stick there for a while and hopefully your back starts to improve as well mm. but yeah normally what happens like and and like this is just us like being 
more cautious than anything because normally what happens is the complete opposite like you jump up quite quickly because of all the things Chloe's saying like glycogen and the fact that initially when you build muscle you probably want to put on a little bit of fat especially if you've been very lean and then that should kind of even out like then you should be yeah maybe over the course of a month or so you're still swaying towards weight gain like maybe like a kilogram a month or something but it's not like a pound a week where it might have been for the first couple of weeks sort of thing yeah Um, or even more initially like it's quite common for the first like week of increasing calories that you put on like five pounds it's not fat but it's just you know food volume it's glycogen it's water retention and then that should slow down but even I mean given that since August you've only put on three kilograms like it's not like we're stressed about this in the slightest it's just where you are at the moment and given your limitations with your back then I think that's probably the best thing is to be sitting more around maintenance level does she say how tall she is at all five foot five five foot five yeah 60 kg at five foot five is still pretty pretty on the light side um so not remotely worried but still something to consider okay can you eat too much protein i've read some articles that say if you eat too much it can cause damage to kidneys on days where my snacks are also high protein i'm getting 140 grams oh good love that amount good amount um uh look unless you have some kind of pre-existing kidney issues this is not something any of you need to worry about whatsoever your body can absorb an unlimited amount of protein at any one time it doesn't mean that all of that say if you have 100 grams of protein in a meal that that's going to be optimal for muscle protein synthesis it's not you've already probably tapped out around that 40 to 50 gram mark but your body can absorb it it will it comes out in urea it is absolutely not something that you guys need to worry about Um, and it's one of those kind of like I said look if you have pre-existing problems that's different and that's something that you need to speak to your dietitian or your doctor about but this is one of those things like eggs and cholesterol that just make us roll our eyes and say no you're fine Emma yeah agreed and 140 grams is not too much at all it's great amount yeah it's a great amount there is a like a comment below this saying yep same question i'm eating 180 to 190 grams a day approximately 50 percent of my macros that's That's too much not because it's dangerous to eat that amount of protein but because that is massively limiting the other things that you're eating so are you still getting in enough fats in your diet are you still eating five to six portions of fruit and veg in there I highly doubt that like it's probably impacting your food choices quite a lot yeah and I would definitely lower that amount of protein and then even on like a more environmental level as well like that's a lot of protein to be eating that's unnecessary yeah and and even like even just even if you don't care about the environment and you're like the the cost of your food bill must be quite high as well so even if you want on a personal level just to save some money I would probably say you can significantly lower that. Yeah, I agree. Like I typically cap it for women. I wouldn't I wouldn't really have any any female having more than 150 grams a day. And Emma's right, it's not because then it's really bad. No, it's because it's totally unnecessary and it's going to eat into your other uh, nutrients and your nutritional health as a person. Um so yeah, I mean really like that 150 is the higher end where you guys should probably be capping 
Okay, I'm sure this has been explained before. It has. <laughs> <laughs> we can guarantee. Are you re- What do you think it's going to be? How many calories do you burn hoovering? No, but that's a good question. Thank you. <laughs> I think it's like 200 an hour. <laughs> Probably depends how like rigorously. It's like, completely like ridiculous stab in the dark amount, but that's what online articles tell us. Well, there you go. Um, it's uh, why is protein so important? Oh no, <laughs> no, I don't want to do it again. Emma, you do it. Oh, okay. <clears throat> I'll just run through it. So basically, it's very satiating when you're on a diet. And it helps you maintain lean body mass, which is extremely important when you're dieting. I think that's it, really. Like, I think that covers, like, the main part of it. You can go into, yes, it has slightly higher thermic effects of food, which means that it requires more energy to break down. Again, quite useful when you're dieting. It's quite a small effect. But the key ones are that, one, it's just important whether you're dieting or not, that you get enough protein so that you can maintain or build lean body mass. And and just because it's essential to just living as well, even if you don't care about your body mass, sorry, your, your um, muscle mass, but it's also very satiating. And mm. that's essentially the importance of protein. Okay, I'm having nasal surgery within the next few weeks and we'll be out of action for a few weeks. What would you suggest to do regarding regarding calories? I am currently on sixteen hundred and fifty. I mean, Na- we need to know if that was a deficit or a surplus or maintenance. Why, <laughs> why are you laughing at me? <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. I'm just like, what's nasal surgery? Like, it's why surgery would- of the nose. Yeah, but why would someone need nasal? So, like, nasal is quite specific, no? Like a rhinoplasty is like. I mean, anyway, sorry. You just say inconspic, like some form of surgery on her nose, okay? (laughs) Look, I've had a nose job. I need to get another one because my nose is still wonky. Um, Right, sorry. If she's on 1650, and then what were you you starting to say when I started? (laughs) I just said it kind of like I would probably want you about maintenance for those weeks. Um, But I'm assuming you'll still be able to walk and things like maybe a couple of days for recovery you probably don't need to change your calories that much no i mean i i would yeah i would say either stay where you are or come up to maintenance but you absolutely don't need to do anything drastic either either side of it i will say this though right so when i had my rhinoplasty um they they put gauze alcohol soaked gauze in your nose after to stop it from getting infected and then all like gooping together but for me they shoved it up too high so it was like like I felt like it was like burning my brain so whoever if this is that kind of thing tell them not to put the gauze up too high it was horrific (laughs) okay noted there you go but you didn't expect that extra advice so after a week of walking in the dark to get my steps in I need a change my thinking so I I am thinking that 45 to 55 minutes of cardio cycle in the a.m fasted for a week would give me a fat loss boost is that right I would still do a lunchtime walk of around 3,000 steps does this square off the step count I've no idea because 
if you're only getting 3,000 steps a day and then you're doing an hour's cardio, probably not. Probably not. I mean, I'm thinking, no, probably not. Um, but look, hey, if you're like, I, I can't do an hour walk every day in the dark, it's killing my soul, and this is the alternative, then this is the alternative. D- let's do it and let's see what happens because there's no point in you guys doing something every day that you fucking hate just because you've got like a temporary goal at the end of this, we're trying to get you guys like real long-term achievable, maintainable results where you're not molding your whole life around this goal. This is when we start to get into trouble. It, this goal has to fit into your pre-existing life. We have to make it fit into it. The second that you guys are going to start to lose your shit and hate it and not be able to maintain it, even if you do get great results is if your life now all becomes about the goal. And so look, if this is a better option, let's do it agreed and I think people get really pedantic about like step goals and I know that we've set you them but it's more for the account like the same with the calories it's like it's the accountability it's the sticking to something it's the routine it's the being able to tick something off it's the behaviors that matter not the exact number so although we might not be able to say oh yes 55 minutes of cardio is going to equate to exactly x amount of steps it's all energy expenditure Mm. And if you do something consistently, so if you start doing that consistently and you're not getting results, then we know that it's not enough yeah. and we need to do more or we, or we need to do more steps as well or we need yeah. to change something. Really, the key is the consistency and then we can adapt from there. I would also say, like kind of echoing what Chloe is saying, if if you find that getting up in the morning and doing a bit of cardio, it doesn't need to be fasted or not. But if it's first thing in the morning and it's easier for you to do it fasted, fine, that's sort of irrelevant to the to the point if that works for you and it's something that you enjoy doing absolutely fine if it's like absolute hell then it's probably not a great idea like we need to find something that is at least like not unenjoyable for you so that you could see yourself maintaining this and even if it's not like all of this should be maintainable everything you're doing and when I say that I think people get a bit like oh, so I'd have to stick to these calories forever. No, no, no. The numbers might change, but the behaviours are the same. So like the behaviours of, I'm going to get up and make myself a good nutritious breakfast. I'm going to not snack as much. I'm going to make sure I get out every day for a walk. I'm going to do a workout three times a week. Those behaviours stay the same forever. If you want to maintain these results, you need to maintain those behaviours. But the numbers might change. So yeah, I can have a bit more flexibility. I can eat a bit more calories. I cannot be as pedantic, pedantic, pedantic about my step count because I'm no longer in a fat loss phase. I just want to maintain and it becomes a little bit easier. But you still need to do the behaviours because otherwise you just go back to where you were before. And that's why most diets fail. Exactly. Exactly. But not here on the EC method. No <laughs> Cherie Bob. <laughs> Is that the saying? No Cherie Bob. I don't know. No sorry, Bob. No sorry, no sorry Bob. Bob. What does that even does that mean? mean? You, I'll Google it. <laughs> okay. okay. Does it matter where my arms are and therefore where the dumbbells, dumbbells, dumbbells are positioned for moves like walking lunges or split squats? I tend to rest them on my shoulders, but should they be by my side? Doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter. It's no sorry, Bob. 
and it, it's a US colloquialism. Definitely not. No way. Isn't no way a US colloquialism for no way? <laughs> no way. Far out. <laughs> um, yeah, doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm averaging 10,000 steps during the week, but I'm very active on weekends, running, walking, and I do approximately 25,000 a day. This leaves me starving. I'm on 1,600 calories during the week, but I increased to 1,800 calories on Sunday and Saturday. Is this sensible? Is um, it getting you results is the question. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah if, if that's working for you and you eat more on the weekend and you've expended a bit more, perfect. Like, means you can probably enjoy some more food on the weekend. If you're getting results doing that, absolutely perfect. Yeah, I agree. I don't see anything wrong with that at all. Like, I, 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 yeah, if you're that active on the weekend, again, it's likely still a deficit for you if you really are super duper like up and at George McFadden. Oh my God, we're, we're amazing today. Um, uh, Wait, that, I'm sorry, who's George McFadden? It's just a thing from Sex in the City. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, uh, you likely are still a deficit. And there's something to be said for people having kind of higher calories on the weekends anyway, whether they're banking it or just coming up to maintenance. So I'm more than happy with that. Hi girls, I'm on fat loss, working on 1600 calories, averaging 12,000 steps a day and doing four home workouts a week. I have an Olympic bar and plates, plus resistance dumbbells and bands, etc. My actual weight hasn't dropped, but I have dropped 13.5 inches. Yeah. Is this normal? I'm five foot one and weighing in between 159 and 161 LBs. So I'm a little chubster, really. Hmm. Um, it is extremely normal that some people don't have much luck with the scales. I am one of them, but have luck in with other types of measurement or progress. Like I say, visual progress for me comes pretty thick and fast and the scales can really just not do anything or even go up. Especially if, yeah, there's other things as well to look at. Uh, like for me, when I do start taking creatine, the scales will go up. Um, a, a better body, comp body composition typically, I think, tends to mean the scales can be a lot trickier for clients. Um, if you're quite short, which you are, another thing which I weirdly tend to find can have an impact. Uh, yeah, so it, it happens. Emma, what are your thoughts? I think that's a great sign. Great sign. Yeah. Like we spoke about this before, but if you're not losing weight, but you're changing shape, it's a great sign that you're maintaining or building muscle at the same time, which is a really hard thing to do. So yeah. I think it's fantastic. I think you're doing brilliantly well. Uh, yeah. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. And I'm sure some weight loss will come, but it's kind of, it's a byproduct. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're if you're really like not worried, but you're really kind of confused or in your head about it, just send us some pictures, before and after pictures, and we'll we'll know what we're looking at, even if you don't. Exactly. Okay, we've got two live questions. Hey, I've been on hypertrophy. Sorry, I've been on the hypertrophy train. Choo choo. <laughs> since November, started to question myself yesterday and this morning, but then. Today, for the first time ever, I had actual biceps post-workout. I never have visible biceps ever, ever. My husband calls me the midge <laughs> because midge. I've got little wimpy arms. <laughs> Bloody delighted and ran 
through to flex to my husband. Oh, I love that. I mean, not question, but I love that. I love that. Um, and also that tends to be what happens with hypertrophy. And I know that people get really frustrated by this, but it's really hard to see progress. And yes. then now and again, you'll see it and you're like, oh, wow, this is working. But as I said, like more than more so than with fat loss, you really have to trust the process and know that you're doing all the right things. And yeah. so results will come, but it just takes time. I always just look pretty chunky when I'm in a, in a full on hypertrophy phase. It is what it is. But like I, I, but now I've got my head around my body image, which took a while. I really enjoy like the the kind of food freedom, the training hard, feeling really good. Like it's, it's, there's something really, really enjoyable about it all. But yeah, I never look at myself when I'm in a hypertrophy phase and think like, oh my god, look at all this amazing muscle I've built. It's never happened. <laughs> okay, we've got one from Penny, but it doesn't. I'm not sure what the question is, but anyway, she says, Hey, hope this makes sense. I'm very near the end of fat loss. I'm literally chasing the last two kilograms. And this round I've lost 1.5 kilograms on 1850. Nice. But that's the end of the question. So I'm not sure what we're asking here, apart from, I just think you should keep going. Don't need to change anything. Maybe she was commenting on something else we were saying to someone else. We could hypothesize about this. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> Deep sumo squats or goblet squats seem to aggravate my glute slash hip injury I've had previously. Am I losing benefit by keeping them in a more comfortable range or is there a better alternative? No, keep them in a comfortable range. Everybody will feel, will, will feel like variations of squats differently most people won't be able to comfortably do all variations of squats as we find out every time we program overhead squats for you guys um so this just do it in the range that you feel or the stance i should say that you feel comfortable in be do be careful those of you with funny joints knees hips going in really deep on squats because it can aggravate it not for everyone but yeah it can okay sugar cravings versus diet drinks do they make you do they make your body think that you are having sugar spike insulin and therefore make it more likely you will crave sugar later in the day um emma has a really good answer to this i'm just gonna grab my charger really quick emma you answer that okay um yes and no well no is the answer according to all of the like bigger sort of meta analysis so taking lots of studies and putting them together there doesn't seem to be any link between diet drinks and weight gain in fact they seem to help on a diet and i think you'll know if this is you or not as in if you have a diet drink does that actually make you crave more sugar later or does it help your sugar cravings and I know that for me like having something sweet is usually quite beneficial and helps me stick to my diet um one of the things that a lot of people claim to like the negative side of this is that it spikes insulin and that claim is a little bit like it's true but it's a bit inconsequential so even thinking about food can have a small insulin spike because essentially it's your body getting ready to have some food. So that would start like in your mouth, like when you think, or if you smell like a bakery and then you start to like salivate, 
Like that's your body getting ready to digest the food that it thinks is coming. But there's really no problem with like a very small increase in insulin driven by a, a sweet taste, for example. No. Um, I think that's really kind of covers it. You'll yeah, always I, have this like, yeah. I like it also how Emma, like Emma will frequently touch on this, like the demonizing of insulin response. And it's like, it's basic biology. Like, <laughs> I don't know why everyone's so terrified of this thing that happens that has to happen. <laughs> I know. I think it's because it's like, it's the storage hormone and it causes fat storage. It, and it's well, like, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Because. But then like, if you think about the other impacts of insulin, like it also turns off fat breakdown. It turns off lipolysis, but that's, that's like a good thing because you don't want to be breaking down fat when there's already ample energy available in the bloodstream. Like it turns off the production of glucose at the liver so that we don't have massively high levels of blood glucose, which is what is diabetes is. Yeah. Like insulin's a really freaking good thing. Who, who was in the group this morning? Was it Lucy talking about, so she's type one diabetic. Like, I don't reply. Lucy, I love you, but I don't reply when you comment because Emma, this is Emma's field, like actual, actual <laughs> come up. So I'm just like, I'll let Emma handle But her. even if you like go and speak to a type one diabetic and tell them insulin's not important. Exactly. Like well, that must be freaking annoying for them. But anyway, um, yeah. yeah. So coming back to like sugar cravings and diet drinks, not a problem. I think it's, it is actually quite individual. There is evidence for and against this as in some people do seem to crave more after having a sweet taste, others don't. The The argument against, I can see to an extent, but more to, like my reason for avoiding really sweet things, like diet drinks are actually often sweeter to t- in taste than like the full sugar version because the sweeteners are so strong. Yeah. My only reason not to do that would be that your taste buds get quite used to having like really um, highly palatable foods, which is why when you first start on a diet, like I'm sure everyone after Christmas found it quite hard to get back on track because you're not used to eating like in comparison, quite bland foods. So it's quite hard to then go back to, I don't know, eating vegetables most of the time or eating more vegetables as opposed to like much more highly sugary and kind of tasty Ah. foods in many ways um but then what you'll realize is that as your taste buds become used to eating like vegetables for example like how good does even like broccoli taste when you're dieting and part (laughs) of it's because you're hungry but part of it is because your taste buds have changed a bit because you're not exposing them to these like really strong sweet tastes so that actually you start to taste like I don't know you taste what how am I gonna explain that you taste like more for less yeah real nutrient I think you become more sensitive to the sweet taste of like actual fruit and veg which I think is why a lot of people who have quote-unquote bad diets or like eat a lot of takeouts or highly palatable foods generally are like oh how can you eat vegetables all the time and it tastes of anything or it's just like oh it's so bland okay well try dieting for a while Oh, and yeah. then you'll realize actually it tastes amazing. Yeah, I remember that like one of the very first first savage diets I did, 
and I just I, I just wasn't eating sugar. Uh, I just wasn't eating like any kind of anything sweet or any fruit, anything like that. And then I suddenly like realized this was like years ago, like how unbelievably like bang for your buck strawberries are. So after a period of weeks of having nothing sweet, I ate a strawberry. And I have never in my life had a strawberry like that. And I've never forgotten it. It like fucking punched me around the face. It was so good. I was like, this is the fruit of the gods. <laughs> I do also think though, you know, when you go on holiday and like, or you have like a tomato in Spain. Oh my God. It's so good. And it's like, um, and I'm like, this just tastes like nothing like what we have in the UK. And if I lived over here, like I could literally just eat veg all the time because it tastes so much better. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Okay, well, um, we'll wrap up here for today and we will be back to answer the rest of the amazing questions on Wednesday. Wednesday. Hopefully I will have slept by then. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs)